1: Pat Godwin, Josh Arnold, <laughs> you, uh, you have obviously had a lot of highs and lows in your oh, career, yeah. uh, mixed with a uh, a plethora of Kims, <laughs> as we like to joke.
0: Uh, Nothing but Kims. Yes, yeah.
1: And um, were you with one Kim out in L.A. when you were discussing a potential TV show?
0: Yes, she, uh, she moved out there with me, the Miami Kim, Princess Millionaire, I like to call her. Okay, looted. She, she went out there with her many Porsches. She had uh, many, many Porsches. <laughs> and me and my little Jeep. <laughs> and uh, I would have to do the road to support us. And she was working on Rodeo Drive at a place called Acacia. But she uh, spent more than she made. Because ah. she was a beautiful, fancy woman who loved to dress nice, loved the finer things in life. That's the way she grew up. Mm-hmm. She didn't even go to high school. She was able to be homeschooled, talk her father out of anything. I think she got a Maserati For her 16th birthday, Uh, when I first met her, there were many, many cars (laughs) about the property. And I just, (laughs) you cannot believe the wealth and the success of these kind of people. How I was able to talk her into going out to LA and living in comedy possibility land yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> which for a guitar act you know I couldn't really do sets out there because you don't have time to plug your little guitar in for your act and this was the way I expressed myself I, I was not a stand-up a tra- tra- traditional stand-up I, everything was couched around a uh, musical thing so it was pretty difficult for me but there were I would get nibbles I got a, a fox uh, sketch show that we did a pilot for called TVMA and it was a racier kind of um, a show and I was in, I, I did all like the the funny original songs for the show so like uh, what I do on our show. Okay. And I had a cast of like, uh, geez, eight or nine people. I was the oldest person at that time in the show. It was a younger base show. And uh, the guy that produced the Elvis special, uh, the 66 comeback special, Chris Beard was the one who did this show, TVMA. Wow. So I've known of this guy because he was Elvis. he, He did that Elvis comeback special. Right. And in fact, Elvis even mentions him in that so he, draw, he 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 says his name in the special. So when I would have meetings with him, that's all I wanted to tell me about the Elvis special. <laughs> yeah. So we bonded immediately and then we uh we did a bunch of shows and they uh they never uh they never saw the light of day.
1: So you did more than the pilot?
0: Yeah, we did a couple of shows. Yeah. Okay. Was yeah.
1: there anybody in that cast that eventually made it? No, okay. not really. No. Yeah. It
0: was all the really, really good people at that time um from um that was work that were working out at the ice house because the the people that could have made it were my buddies Paul F. Tompkins. They had all got uh, gigs, mm-hmm. and John Matta was a writer for uh, the Video Music Awards and all that kind of stuff. And all the people that I went uh, I knew from Philly that were in L. A. Paul F. Tompkins being one of them. He was in uh, Mister Show, of course, sure with uh, Bob and Dea, uh, Bob Odenkirk. And um, uh, so the none, there was nobody that you would know, okay, that or that went on to Adam Sandler. Do you know him? He was one <laughs> of the. Uh... <laughs> Did it ever air? No.
1: All right. So no. yeah, just didn't make it there. Which yeah. happens to more shows than, than not.
0: Yeah, my brother and I did a, a TV show that was based out of Philadelphia that didn't air. That was sort of a takeoff on our morning show. Our guy John DeBella got a major TV show called The John DeBella Show. And that was produced by Mike Douglas's producer, Woody Frazier, the Mike Douglas show from Philadelphia. Yeah. And we had a lot of money behind it. And my brother and I did the McGonagall Brothers sketch on it. And I did, uh, we sang with Hall and Oates. I did a song on piano with Hall and Oates. Wow. Yeah, one of my original songs. And it was really well produced. And we, that, that was aired on local Philadelphia TV and never got picked up nationally. Gotcha. Yeah. So a lot of things like that. This is. Um, Very exciting near misses. Yeah,
1: yeah, they are. I mean, and that's what this business is about. Yeah. Um, And then some uh, close encounters with a lot of celebrities just at Kim, Miami Kim's.
0: Mansion. Well, Miami, Miami, Kim, she lived on Star Island. So next door to us, we had Gloria Estefan. Right to our left, yeah, and two doors down to our right was Rosie O'Donnell huh. and Vanilla Ice over at the far corner.
1: <laughs> no kidding. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I mean, yeah, Gloria Estefan would be jogging around every morning. I would jog around there. There's an inner part of the island, yeah, which is which is a closed closed community, closed gate community island. Star Island's gorgeous, and. um uh, you know, when I first met Kim and I went into that situation, I was like, oh my gosh, she's she does not fit the uh, rich girl scenario. She's just... The soul of an angel, beautiful mm-hmm. woman, and beautiful women tend not to be nice sometimes. because They got the world just, you know. She was so so nice. So any, every time I would be around something with her, I couldn't believe she wasn't being more hyperbolic about it. Hmm. Or because if I had the situation situations that she she has, I'd be all oh, I'd be yapping about it. But when we we first kind of moved down there, she says, um, "I want to take you to see my friends, uh, 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 Steve." And uh, he has a little studio. She's a little studio. Yeah. And he's doing this like kind of like heavy metal kind of a thing, and you're 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 really you're really gonna like it. Him him and his cousin Spencer. And so we we walk into Steve and Spencer's little uh, home studio. And It yeah. doesn't seem like a home studio to me. Seems like a studio. <laughs> and she, and they're like hugging her. They went to high school with her. Steve has an American accent, and Spencer. Has a decidedly British accent. And he's playing playing me these Beatly kind of demos. And Steve's playing us, and we're having a blast. And I'm playing them some stuff of mine and guitar. And we are bonding. We're having a wonderful time. And we're in our own little part of the studio. And there's a knock on the door. And uh, the door opens up. And it's Barry Gibb. And he goes, <laughs> You fellas <it's> behaving yourself? <laughs> and uh, yeah. And Steve goes, Yeah, Dad. Closes the thing. And I went, Huh? <laughs> <laughs> the American kid with the American accent, because he was born in Miami, Steve Gibb. Well, he said, yeah, Dad, to this guy. And I, I, I didn't say anything because I thought, I thought what the, where am I? Yeah, that was one that, of the Bee Gees. That, that was, was Barry Gibb that just <laughs> walked in. <laughs> and then sure enough, Morris, uh, who had passed away, Barry's the only brother that's alive now. He had also ca- came in to check in on uh, his, uh, I keep breaking the mic standard. <laughs> yeah. he, uh, he also came in to check, on, uh, check in on the boys because these are pretty wild boys. Spencer was Robin's son. Who I've stayed in touch with. He lives in Austin now and still does music. And Steve uh, was just on the Alec Baldwin podcast with his dad, talking about how much his dad had meant to him. And, wow. Uh, yeah. Steve went through some rough times, and his dad, like, really, really helped him out and saw him through some really tough times. And I remember his dad even – his dad was very, very funny. We, we, would, we would be at weddings together, and now I knew Barry Gibb because I'd see him at all the, the Rubenson family functions. I knew him just as a – you know, hi. He knew I was Kim's boyfriend. Yeah. But we all sat at a table at a wedding for the people that own Shudder's Hotel. I forget the the, the the couple, but they own the hotel called Shudder's. very famous L.A. hotel. But they, they're based out of Miami, and we're at their wedding. And the mother of the bride came over to our table. Said, Barry, you got to get up and do us a number. You got to <laughs> do a song for us, Barry. It, it would really mean a lot. And you, you see, so she she leaves, and he's hilarious. Why every function? Do they think I can just get up there and wing? So, this, I'm not playing with this band. He, he looks at me, Pat. Is this band—they're uh, terrible. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, she, she comes back, Barry. Come on, Barry, please. So she walks away and he goes to me, can you do the backups to Twist and Shout? Yeah, I just repeat what you do. Yeah, let's just do it and get out of here. In his accent. So he gets up, I grab a guitar, we do Twist and Shout, and then we sit back at the table. There's no v- tape of it. <laughs> and he he was so funny because he, he he would say, he, remember, he recalled Nat King Cole always being at, being invited to parties. And then the host at some point would go, Hey. Do you mind? In other words, you're the entertainment. Yeah. But I didn't really get invited to this party. And Barry goes, that's how I feel a lot of times. I went, man, <laughs> yeah. I thought that was so, so funny. <laughs> that's why I enjoy the Bee Gees documentary so much because, you know, just being around him a little bit and knowing how passionate and talented he was. You
1: yeah. Know? Another one of the highs of your career was you got a record deal.
0: Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, when I was uh, out, when I had that song "Circle City," uh, didn't uh, I almost said her name. The, my manager, I wasn't supposed to say her name. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> uh, she she had got a Warner Brothers uh, a thing uh, with a subsidiary called Blood Records, um, and that was uh, actually based out of a, a, an East Coast connection that she had had. She was quite a mover and shaker. She she met whoever she needed to meet. With her charm and the way she looked and how smart she was, so uh, she got me. Uh, she got me able to record uh, a number of those, or about ten of those songs, uh, the proper way. And we had distribution uh, and put out an album called Excess and Moderation. Uh, that had a couple of like I started to d- be a little funnier even before Todd Glass got me involved. I had a couple of quirky things called Cemetery Girls. There was one called uh, Cemetery Girls that was this over the top sexist kind of Rolling Stones angle on a song mm-hmm. that had it, it was really kind of a fun sing along bar song, and that was very popular. And so, uh, she was able to get us a deal, and we got on like a lot of A radio, uh adult alternative radio with a song called little boys pockets which is a very very cool little song and we were able to like uh, do what I love doing recording and there was a song called John Paul George ring John Paul George Ringo and me that uh, won a bunch of awards that was on that album too so got a chance to do a lot of the stuff I was doing live before comedy
1: have you ha- do you know how many copies it sold
0: uh you know I don't I don't um it was, it was done by Blood Records, and, you know, I, I didn't see a dime from it uh, at all, like, like most people do. I was just thrilled to be uh, recording, uh, you know. Yeah. T- you know, I'd recorded when I first started a little bit, and then I never really had the funds to record until excess and moderation. So how do you not see a dime from a record deal? I don't know, to be honest with you. I,
1: a lot of people will ask that. And, yeah. And oftentimes, that is that can be the case, because— companies will find ways not to pay the artist and, yeah. and how they do that is they go well we've never actually made money ourselves on that album or that movie or that television show and they they just have they fudge the accounting yeah they go well uh, the posters cost us this the and in your case it could have been the jewel cases cost us this the distribution the the, the package all that stuff and so we've still never really made money to be able to share any royalties with you
0: I also, the recording budget was high, and I knew that, and um, I was very proud of that. We spent a lot of time uh, doing it, and we were being played all over the country with a song called Smile, The War Is Over, and uh, Little Boy's Pockets, like I had said, a song called Psychotherapy. Uh, Cemetery Girls was getting some airplay on, like, you know, morning shows and things like that. It was a much broader, it's a crazy song. Um, did you ever accidentally hear your song on the radio? I would hear my stuff uh, when I when I did the when I started to do comedy a little bit. Um, I would I did a Christmas record because I thought this is a, a way in the in through the back door of radio because they need this content. So I did a very dark yet funny Christmas record with "Let's Put Christ Back in Christmas" that Bob and Tom played at mm-hmm. that time. And then uh, reindeer—it was called reindeer games. It had some. It had a song called "Reindeer Games" from the reindeer's perspective. And he hates sand. They hate sand, and they're drinking. <laughs> and it was kind of my situation with the morning show with the Bella. All us—we all felt kind of used. That was my take on that. There were some really dark things, and then some really broadly funny things. There was Jingle Bell Punk, and Elvis is coming back for Christmas. Okay. Um, in fact, when I was recording Elvis is coming back for Christmas, that's when I met Clapton. He was actually out in the lobby when I was doing the background vocals of that song. So Miami radio played that without me asking them to. I would drive around Miami and hear Elvis is coming back for Christmas or Jingle Bell Punk. So morning shows, knowing that I had that morning show affiliation, uh, I guess they, they package it in such a way. Hey, here's the guy from this morning zoo show, you know, you probably can use this stuff. And all the the whole album got used except for the title track, Reindeer Games, which is just a really fun moody piano piece. Did you ever see an album of yours in stores? Oh, all over the place. We had uh, we had good dis- distribution. Would you it check? Would, it would be in every store. Yeah, for a while. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would go up to the P's oh, yeah. or the G's rather. Yeah, and, and, yeah. yeah. How uh, fun is that? I would see God Wine, God Smack, and there I am. <laughs> <laughs> How and that would have been great. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. Yeah, that's that's so fun. Yeah, it was. <laughs> but, yeah, but, you know, it, it's funny. When I was really sort of starting a, com- a comedy career was when or thinking about it, she structured the deal in a way where uh, even though comedy had opened these doors, I went, oh, I'm a songwriter still. I was steadfast in thinking that I was going to. And here I was all of a sudden having a comedy career and then I had the serious record out. So it was, it was totally uh, bad timing on my part. Yeah, stupid that's, stupid really
1: it's that's tough because yeah. you're establishing a brand and which brand are you uh, building then?
0: yeah <laughs> and i think i only gave them maybe one funny song there was a ridiculous song called my back is bumpy about <laughs> having back acne <laughs> that is on this serious record yeah, it, yeah. you can still hear it it's yeah. my back is bumpy that i did on the, that i did on the bob and tom show like i my first or second time through Uh, But that was the only, they wanted a knee slapper. You're doing comedy now. And I I gave him a serious record and uh, a huge amount of money went into it. If you hear the production of John Paul, George, Ringo, and me, it's a, it's, it's pretty big production. Available anywhere now? No, we, we're about to sign a deal um, uh, where we're going with a new record company. So here at Bob and Tom, we've pulled everything that I had up, which uh, that was up on Spotify and everything off. Because yeah. we're, we're going to go with a, d- a different company, put out my new one first, and then we're going to stagger all my other older releases. Oh, cool. And then I'm putting out a holiday thing of the stuff that we've been doing here on our show in October.
1: Oh, great. Yeah. So you'll, we'll have a full
0: have, catalog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, awesome. But right now, uh, two, two, three weeks ago, Alan and I from the Static Shack and Tom, we pulled everything off right now. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, there's obviously still some things that are lingering on YouTube, but there's nothing on. Uh, there's nothing streaming. Gotcha. It won't be until this new album comes out.
1: Yes. So, Miami, Kim, uh, you break up and then you meet another Kim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, how'd that
0: happen? Well, uh, I was here and uh, uh, working for Tom in Indianapolis and being on the show a lot. And I uh, got a gig at Waldo and Stymie's Sports Bar, Sports Bar and More. Waldo and Stymie's Sports <laughs> Bar and More. I was the and more one weekend. Oh, <laughs> And I drive into town, and I get the local paper. I want to see if they're promoting it properly. Well, guess who's at Waldo and Stymie's sports bar and more? Tom Goodwin. The Uh, famous Tom Goodwin is there. (laughs) I get to the gig in Lima, Ohio, (laughs) and uh, I I asked to speak to Waldo immediately. (laughs) Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I said, "What's the Tom Goodwin guy?" Oh, I, I screwed up. Hey, ticket sales are low. I said, "Well, uh, if, if you if you have Eric Clapton coming and you call him Eric Compton, no <laughs> yeah. one's you know." Uh, that's the week I met. Uh, that's the weekend I met Kim and her mom. Kim's uh, Jimmy's mom is Kim. Your son? Uh, yeah, my son Jimmy. Okay. Uh, his mom's Kim, and she's a nurse. Twenty three years, my junior. And her mom, Margie, is the biggest Bob and Tom fan on the planet. Oh, so they knew it was you, went out to see you. So in 2005 or 6, they came out to see me. Kim had no idea who I was, but she was incredibly attractive. And uh, I used her for the Springsteen bit because she had the blonde hair, and I always have that fallback blonde joke. She had the blondest hair, and the, and I just asked her her name. It was Kim. Mm-hmm. I know how to rhyme that. You rhyme that with failure. <laughs> so, they uh, boy, I was selling merch at that time, and if you know me in selling merch, I'm terrible. So I'm just standing there miserable. And Margie, her mom, just oh, I listen to you guys all the time. She was uh, my daughter doesn't know who you are, but her daughter was hot. <laughs> and then we all went to a, a club after uh, that was close to my hotel. And uh, boy, I had the nerve to ask her out to lunch, and then we ended uh, up—she's living together just a month later. She said no,
1: but my daughter might like to go.
0: (laughs) I'm a hammer mom's age, by the way. (laughs) So
1: that's okay. Cool.
0: Yeah. You guys hit it off. Yeah. Getting married. Boy, did we ever! Yeah, we got married, and we pretty quickly. Uh, you know we were t- we lived together a couple of years. I okay. had I had horrible elbow surgery, which caused me not to work right after we we, we uh, lived together. My elbow had been killing me for a while, and they finally did an MRI and went, well, no wonder. They had to put the ulnar nerve back in its in its trough, so to speak, dig new bone. Wow. And I couldn't, and I was in a cast and couldn't play guitar or make a living now. Yeah. had a new relationship uh, here in Indianapolis where we re- were recording right now, and uh, boy. That was rough on a new relationship. Yeah. Uh, Man, I had to sell all my guitars practically because the doctor thought I was going to be an easy fix and I'd be back up on my feet playing in no time. But the truth is they had to have my arm like that for a while. Straight out. Straight out, then move it up, then move it up, and then do therapy. I couldn't so... Even a month later, I was pretty poor. I hmm. was going week to week. Yeah, you know, As, a lot of most yeah.
1: comedians do that kind of thing. Yeah. and
0: I did crackers the local club here, and I just told the owner Ruth Ann. I said, "She's, I'll come down, and I put a little pick in my hand, and I would just kind of move it a little bit, and, be, and it worked." Okay, it worked. But the doctor found out I performed, and he was livid. Oh, he goes, "I don't think you realize how serious the surgery is. It's going to be a year." Oh my god! So Kim and I kind of went through that. Yeah, and I was pretty miserable. That was just. So she saw she saw the dark side a little too early. <laughs> I see. But but, but we, we bounced back from that. We moved back east uh, to where I was from because I thought it'd be a better uh, fit for me. And uh, Jimmy uh, grew kind of grew up there.
1: Okay, so you uh, were together for about two years, then got married. Yeah.
0: And then how long after that did you have your son? Shortly thereafter, Jimmy. We would have been together from 2007 to 2010. Jimmy was born in 2010. Okay, great. Yeah. Here, here in Indianapolis. Then, as a uh, infant, we took, we packed him up, and uh, he's only three months old, and we drove to where I'm from, and uh, got a house there in Dallas, Pennsylvania area. You start working again, doing? Oh comedy, yeah, yeah, then? yeah. I've been, st- I've been back to work. Uh, a Lot at that
1: point, point. at one point, uh, you're making pretty good money. Were you up to six figures a year?
0: Well, when I started doing cruise ships, it got crazy. Uh, the, the cruise is sh- terrific. Yeah, uh, right around the time we had moved back east, uh, Al Romus, the comedian who's been on our, our Bob and Tom show, uh, he's a big cruise ship guy and he's terrific. And I had just heard about the cruise ship money, but I would never wanted to. And he, I just was talking to him one day and I said, He said. The cruise ship thing is what you make out of it. You do the act that you want to do. If you have to be clean, you'll be clean. Then you're allowed to be racy. But it's not hacky anymore. Right. There used to be a stigma attached sure. to comedians who were on cruise ship. He goes, are there guys that are hacky? Oh, boy, are there. Yeah. And uh, he got me in with the the Miami, uh, the best agent in Miami, the casino talent agency. And, uh, man, it was rough. I remember uh, doing my first carnival thing, and I just thought, oh, I'm never going to be able to do this. The rooms are windowless, and it's... It was—it was just claustrophobic, you know. You can't escape the people that have seen you in a show, and now you're, you're now you're like the Tom Cruise of the boat if you did a good show. Yeah, you know, it's really uh, it's really something else, and it takes a re, it takes a certain special character to do that do that kind of a gig. Yes. I don't know how guys do it. In fact, when Reno, who does our show, Reno Collier and I talk about it, we sh- we get the shivers. That's how rough it was for he and I. It's like, oh my God! I, I was... know
1: uh, also a handful of comedians that love it. It's perfect for them. Yeah and they're genuinely funny they're wonderful people and they just love that life there are some like, uh, they like make great money
0: yeah it was pretty incredible and i moved up the ranks r- rather quickly uh with my little uh, dog and pony show and the guitar and everything i mean you were doing theaters with 3000 people in them and it it was so different than the clubs because it was packed and you had to be really really good and you were graded it was a whole new ball game so many rules challenging and yeah. I, I think I've told you the story, and I, I think you may enjoy, enjoy the story. This is my favorite. This is an example of what – I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, you do the Welcome Aboard show. You better be clean because there are two-year-old babies and there are 90-year-old people, and they're from all different countries. And you just got to be on your mark. Yeah. And I was having a terrific Welcome Aboard show. Clean as all get out, and I – and uh, some guy just keeps yelling, throwing off my timing. That happens, you know. Yes, yeah. But I know how to handle it in the club. And I was kind of early on in the cruise ship, <laughs> and I go, "Geez, I'm doing pretty good up here." And I got this guy yelling sh- <laughs> out in the back, and I ship in the back, ships in the back, we're going in the front. I'm in a big old ship, and I take a pause, and they laugh, and this five year old boy goes, "You said." <laughs> 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 Totally narked me yeah, out. Yeah, totally narked me out. And uh, the, the, the place exploded. I, I bet. And I went, I'm fired. Yeah. I'm yeah. fired. I kind of just hit the T a little bit. I didn't say, yeah, right. I did, yeah, I did. And so I get done with the show, and I see the cruise director there. He's got a smile on his face. <laughs> and he went, that couldn't have gone any better. You handled that perfectly. <laughs> I went, I'm i not fired? No, no, you're not fired. <laughs> okay. Then this is the story. I'm doing princess cruises, and this is the it's the tabernacle of of cruise ship comedy. They don't have any adult shows. Oh, they don't want they don't want you moving your hips like Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> and whoa, it and man, it was something else. And you had to do two theater shows of forty five minutes, and then you did uh, one night where you did three shows that were different. Um, so I assumed it was five different shows. Two clean 45s and three clean... That wasn't the case. You were allowed to repeat the theater show.
1: I didn't know that. Oh, okay. Because some cruises you're not allowed to repeat
0: material. (laughs) So I am stressed out like all get out. So uh, the guy... uh, the, the, uh, The second show and the second clean 45... I think oh, I'm going to use my crowd work skills. And a lady, a lady had gotten up uh, to leave in the cruise ship world. Uh, as a comedian, this happens a lot. They have things to go to. They have a food. They may have a dinner reservation. Mm-hmm. You either have fun with it or you let it go. Mm-hmm. You have to decide as a comedian, is she so close? Is this couple so close? You know, you make a comment like, Oh, did I make things warm for you too? And I'm up here moving. <laughs> do you get? That's not the kind of thing you can do at princess. And this, yeah. so I had a, a woman, an older woman get up and, uh, and she was just she looked adorable. I thought I could have fun. With it. Hey, where you going? I'm doing pretty good. I'm gonna get some chicken. And she said it like that. <laughs> yeah. And I had fun with the word chicken. I saw oh, some chicken. I is that this is a special chicken? And man, they were laughing. And she loved it. She goes, like, I totally understand. You have a dinner reservation? Yes. To get some chicken, she gets a big laugh. <laughs> oh, nice. Excellent. So uh, whenever I have a kernel like that that I can go on, I will throw out chicken every five minutes as a callback yeah. to get that laugh again. Geez, where's the the lady? Must be enjoying her chicken. And, oh, <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) huge laugh. And I get this uh, very young cruise director who I've never worked with before and he says, uh, I'm going to need to see you in in my office. I went, okay. I know I've done something wrong. But I'm I'm examining the act. Geez, I dealt with the lady who worked out great. I didn't say anything. I didn't even... Hmm. I'm thinking. What, he sits me down. Is this an American dude? Because sometimes they're
1: international. No, this is a
0: Colombian. This is a, like a, this is a South American, and I forget what country. Let's just say it was Colombian. Okay. I forget what country it was. It could have been Nicaragua Rago or something. Yeah. But it, but he sat me down and he said, uh, "And when you do your next three shows, I don't want to hear the word chicken. I don't. I don't want a chicken joke. I don't want a chicken song." I said, I said "Huh?" <laughs> uh, let's say say it was Colombia. In my country of Colombia, chicken is a dirty word. Oh, And I said, but the, I'm not a Colombian comedian. I mean, if you wanted someone not to say chicken, maybe you should have hired, and as I'm saying this, I'm going, uh, uh, back it off. Yeah, uh, 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 right. Maybe you should have hired a, <laughs> a Colombian comedian. I'm not, no, 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 I'm serious. I'm going to be watching you like a hawk. <laughs> not a chicken hawk. <laughs> if I hear one chicken, yeah, you know. He yeah. gave me the like the slash sign to the throat like I'd be fired. <laughs> and I just thought that was hilarious. I walked out of there going, I will never understand the cruise ship. No <laughs> one understands how difficult that cruise ship business is when you have people from other countries that are now grading you and they don't get anything about the nuance of what you're doing with American stand up. Yeah. You know? They don't get any of the jokes or something. And I see all these guys schmoozing these like comedy club managers on Carnival or Royal Caribbean to get the good grade or something, because it's that cutthroat out there. Yeah. There are really good people. That who's our who's our buddy from St. Louis that ran the Funny Bone Dave Carlo yeah was in charge of Carnival for a yes. while and we really became good buddies but he wiped out half of the people that weren't cutting it who had been there for years and I can mention names people that you and I know yeah and Carlo just and brought this fresh new talent in and when Carlo was doing that he was man he was on fire yeah he really had people on their toes yeah I think know? he did really well with that little yes. venture <laughs> yes he did he's a good. He's a, he's a character.
1: He is a character and a good guy. And that's that's what again one of the great things about being a comedian: the characters you meet, the man, the different managers and wait staff and fans and other comedians.
0: Oh, and, I oh. mean, it's just a, a circus. Yeah, owners in general, bookers in general, they're just they they're just so wildly uh, different personality. Yes, you have yeah. the Mike Lacey of the Comedy and Magic Club, who couldn't be nicer. He's real sweet and soft spoken, and he keep he, Michael Keaton started with him all these people started with him and he should have the ego and you got the guy who's had it owned it for one year who's got the ego and right you, and here Mike Lacey is like the sweetheart bringing you the best <laughs> food in the world and here he's Leno's best buddy you, you find out later uh, eh, Mike Lacey's a nice you don't know who that is that's like chandling's best friend <laughs> right that's like, right uh, yeah. that, that guy <laughs> that nice guy <laughs> And then, then, you get, then you get some characters where you just want to just, oh, God, I can't wait to get out of this racist, you know, you hear. Oh, uh, dude, there's some despicable stuff. Yeah, My girlfriend, Kim Rubinson, came with me one time where a guy said something so rude that she had overheard. I'm, I'm just right before he paid me. He's like, handing me the check. He had said something about another comedian that was there the week before. And I, well, I will not and won't repeat it. Uh, but she, and I, when someone is racist around me, I, I, the conversation's over. I got to get my check and I'm just going to move on. I'm sure. not going to police them. I'm I don't have time to, to, to I, right, I'm, But you're out. I'm, I'm, go, I'm out. I'm yeah. out. I'm done. Yeah. And I'm out as quickly as possible. Yeah. But Kim, she, she said, what did you say? And made him repeat it. And now we're like in a fight with the club owner. And a, he said, he hasn't even handed me the check yet. And I'm looking at Kim going, wait till he hands me the check and then you can have a fight with him. <laughs> uh, this you'll get a kick out of this. I think Lee Lauren was Carrot Top is Carrot Top's sound guy now. He does all the the producing stuff. All That's that a big gig, yeah, it's a big big gig. But when he was first starting up. We did uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, one-nighter for the Comedy Zone, and uh, they had a billiards tournament going on to the right of us. They had uh, us win Radio Shack speakers, member of the company that's now defunct, (laughs) a bad microphone. The guy from the local radio station introduced, and it was like, (laughs) And, uh, and Lee said to me, do you have a lot of material? I do not have the half hour in me to do this. There's a billiard tournament going on. There's nobody. There was no one there to see us. Yeah. It was merely about doing the time. Right. And this really beefy uh, southern good old boy that owned the place was like, "All right, you boys, we're going to start the show on time." And uh, and Lee says, to "Me, I'm just doing ten minutes, man. I'll get you to the rest." I said, "All right, whatever." <laughs> yeah. He bails at five. <laughs> And it was tag team, ladies and I'm a Pat God and I walk by, you son of a bitch. Yeah, and he, he leaves me with, well, we ha- I have a buck twenty five to do, an hour and twenty five minutes to do, and it is brutal. The system. I'm trying to have some fun with the people playing billiards. They're angry. I'm even talking. Right, right, and it's a nightmare. So I uh, Lee is there. Uh, Lee is sitting out there, and he's like laughing at my pain. Sure, and I'm I'm like oh, I'm going to kill you after you know I'm doing stuff <laughs> yeah. off the mic. I'm making him laugh, and I do. Uh, for, maybe I do an hour and ten. It's leaving, you know, 20 minutes. And we, we go back to get paid. The guy's got a shotgun on the desk. A shotgun? A shotgun. <laughs> and, and he goes, you know, I'm sick and tired of the Comedy Zone sending me people that can't do the time. And I went, sir. You have a billiards tournament going on. I let my buddy out of it. I said, hey, I got the rest of it. We may had a deal. I went an hour and 10, and we have no crowd. Yeah. What do you want me to do? I want you to do the full time. You've got 20 minutes left, and I'm going to keep him here until you're done. And I went, it, it was a hostage situation with a shotgun, and I look at Lee and I go, "All right, I got the twenty minutes." He goes, "Do twenty minutes," and he said, "You can if you ever meet if you ever meet uh, uh, Carrot Tops Sound Guy, you can ask him." He, he sat there with the shotgun while oh. I did twenty minutes, and the guy he said the guy said nothing, just stared at him. <laughs> shotgun, those what are known
1: as hell gigs, yeah are amazing.
0: Yeah, they really are. You learn a lot.
1: And you you do learn a lot and you can uh, you you kind of there are times where you can get out of them what you want. You can it, it can be as miserable as you want or you can try to have fun with it or even just rehearse. I remember doing one at the Lake of the Ozarks. I we walked in and there was uh Oh, I
0: know that. Gig, the City Grill, right?
1: That, this was a, this was a newer one. It was a different one. And uh which but that City Grill gig, oh. that was a a really interesting I, I think I did that show eight times, and I think I batted, like, uh, hell, 150, probably. I mean, I
0: think I was good. I had a good response two out of eight times. It was a tough room. Tommy Johnigan got beat up by a liquored up. Uh, they came in a limo, and they just showed him no mercy. One of the finest comedians that's out there. Yeah, because we were doing, obviously, deja vu after that, and he yeah. killed. Right. And I saw him for the very first time. I, they, I swear to God, I thought he was going to cry because it was it was the meanest sh- yeah. thing I'd ever seen in my life. It get, it would get rough. It was drunk. Yeah. It was uh, it was a tough, tough. And you're talking about a situation that was not City Grill. Well, uh,
1: first, I'll tell you about this the situation that was at City Grill. I was bombing so hard, just just not. And at one point, I just stopped, and I go, uh, I just have a question. Um, it's okay that you're not enjoying me tonight. I I, I wish I were uh, more your style, but uh, um, I'm not. And uh I still have some time to do but I just want to ask you do you think uh, I've always wondered this if that do you think this is how it goes for me every time <laughs> sitting there do you go and I'm bombing now I go do you go oh this guy's n- never been funny he's not good <laughs> e- ever and we just have to see him and and uh do, is this how you think it's oh it always is for me and this one woman goes yes. <laughs> And nobody contradicted or anything. And I went, oh, fascinating. I had always wondered if you're watching a comedian bomb, if the audience goes, well, this guy's never good. This never goes well. In which case, then I would go, do you think I'm an insane person that like I would just continue to do
0: something? I'm not I don't do well at ever. Like what a! I've, I've seen some really good people um, handle bombing in different ways. And in Philadelphia, we had this thing where uh, I, would, I would travel with Paul and have Paul F. Tompkins open for me, Brian Whalen, uh, Todd Glass, and all, all those kind of people. And we had a thing. We did many, many hell gigs. There was like a lot of Tuesdays and Wednesday nights down on the beach somewhere, whether it be Wildwood or whatever, uh, along the Jersey Shore, that it would have one-nighters at their clubs that were open during the week, especially in the summer. Yeah. And they were uh, just really, really difficult. But we had this code. And if you were eating it, and you knew you were eating it, you wanted to let the your comedian friends <laughs> in the back. No, you merely went to the back of the stage and patted your belly and then started your next joke. (laughs) That was kind of like our little, I know, I'm not... And Paul F. Tompkins has started that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, if, and he has also a little inside thing to me that I've that I that he, that I've used. We both used this a lot. It was just that if you were kind of doing not that good, there'd be a pause. I have been drinking since noon. And that was, <laughs> or the eating it thing. And I just remember these little tidbits that we would have to let the other comedian know, yeah, I am not doing well. <laughs> Jeff
1: Oski on the Bob and Tom staff, he's a stand-up comedian yeah. as well. Very funny. And if he, does, if he tells a joke that for whatever reason doesn't get what it deserves – he stretches on stage. <laughs> yeah, I've seen him stretch. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, ah.
0: <laughs> I like it when Letterman or even uh, even Carson would do stuff like that. Yes. Yeah, some physicality that would let the audience, you know, just a, a shrug of the shoulders or yeah. something, you know, the way they handle bombing.
1: Yeah, I like to address it a lot. I I, I will, I'll just go, wow. wow. Like, if it's just a joke, I'll go, well, okay, you didn't enjoy that one. Don't worry. I've got, and that usually gets kind of a laugh. And then sometimes if it's a joke that I'm 100% behind, I know is funny, I'll go, okay, That I just want you to know that's your fault. That joke is funny, and you weren't there for me, and I will forgive you, but I'm not going to forget. And that gets a laugh. There are ways to redeem yourself, you know what I mean, from...
0: Well, uh, Hahn had a good one. I, he told me later it was a stock, and he was embarrassed by the line. But I found it to be really, really funny. When, uh, Who's this, Greg Greg Hahn? Greg Hahn. Sorry, yeah, Greg Hahn. And I came up in the ranks. When I went to Florida and was living with Kim, uh, Greg would be showcasing. Greg uh, would come to shows that I was doing to get some time. He lived in Florida at the time. So I would see Greg Hahn everywhere. And I, I really was one of his first champions because he had the goofiest 15 minutes. <laughs> he would tell me, I said, man, you're ready to feature. He goes, people can't take that for a half hour yet. <laughs> he he knew his place. was. Yeah. Even when people ask him to headline, he would say, nope. I don't have that yet because it's too much Goofy to take for forty five. He obviously figured it out. Yes, figured out. yeah. But he had a line that killed me. <laughs> I had never forgotten it as a saver. He had something that didn't go so well. He goes, you know, I just want to tell you, folks, uh, that was a brand new bit, and I appreciate you giving me a nice, quiet place to rehearse it in. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever heard that line before? I love that line. I love that line. <laughs> have you heard him do it or something? Yeah. Because that I, he says, oh, ah, yeah, that's a stock line. I said, well, it's a darn good one. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's no reason to get he, it. Because he delivered it just great. Yeah. I used to love uh, love to watch him perform. Oh, like I, I saw Greg Hahn early on when he was when he talks about coming off that logging thing he had done. That was when I had met Greg Hahn okay. in Florida. Yeah, after after that whole logging stuff, I said you got to talk about that logging stuff on stage. Can't make it funny yet. You know how he is. He's just uh, such a perfectionist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he would also showcase for people Greg Hahn because he <laughs> he was telling me you know whenever I send a tape of my act he's... They don't get it. They don't like it. So yeah. he goes. I would showcase for people. So I'd be I'd be at South Bend uh, Funny Bone or whatever Funny Bone, and uh, Craig would call. You mind if I do ten minutes? I gotta I gotta show up for this guy. He's not he's not booking me. I said, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: because club and, managers would go, hey, send me a videotape or Greg later refused, on a
0: clip. Greg refused to do that and would do it the right way and just show up. Yeah,
1: I, I used to also. I used to get on the That's road That's the and only
0: way I got, got gigs. I right. don't think I got anything off You can't mic. be ignored. Oh, uh, no.
1: No. And no, you no. get immediate feedback. It's either, hey, you know what? You're not right for our club or, yeah. uh,
0: hey, but pull out your calendar. That's We're what gonna, you get, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, if you show that kind of initiative. Yeah. I had uh, the very first time I did zanies in Nashville um, – Len Susselman was in charge, and that was that is and was a, a great club, yes. everybody went there, yeah. And um, man, so I had a night off, and uh, Kim and I, I think we're in Memphis or something, we drove all the way to Nashville to do a, a guest set. 20 minutes, I got whoa, and I make sure their guitar is all perfect. Darn, it was a good 20 minutes, and I said, Man, I'm in. I mean, uh, we were, she, my girlfriend, yeah, I'm so proud of you. That was fantastic. And I go back in the office, sheepishly, to get my compliments and sure, my sure. bookings. And I knock on the door and Len's on the phone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It he was here for the showcase, Pat Godwin. I've been on the phone the whole time. I didn't I didn't hear anything. Uh, <laughs> but come back again. <laughs>
1: I remember going, is that how this works? Pat, the same thing happened to me. Uh, similar th- at that same club, though. Same club. Yeah. Zane's oh. Nashville. I showed up to do a, a showcase. And I do it, and it went really well. And afterwards, I go. So did uh, the uh, the manager see it? And he's not here tonight.
0: <laughs> Why did I drive three hours? I, yeah, I drove
1: five hours. And so, uh, but and but I called. I, I later on called, and I under the guise of sort of, and I meant it though. But I but uh, hey, thank you for having me on the showcase. I really appreciated it. And I got oh man, I heard it went really well. <laughs> And and I wanted to go. Well, did you hear? It went well enough for you to book me, or? Oh. (laughs) But that's just sort of that's what you do, and you accept it. You know what I mean? It's yeah. There are regular people who would not put up with what we put up with.
0: Yeah. Business wise, uh, people wise, lifestyle wise. You know, I just traveled sixteen hours in the rain with my ten-year-old son to a gig up in Michigan and it just reminded me of you so much of the conversations that we have and how grateful we are for this situation this creative outlet that we have in the Bob and Tom show. Yeah. We have a gig, we're able to we're able to pay our bills during this horrible time for all of our fellow entertainers. And you and I go, gosh, you know, I haven't done road comedy in a while, you know. This is kind of nice being in one place. I drove and I was in the rain with my poor son. His iPad dies. He's taking daddy's phone now. I have no, I have no Josh Arnold podcast to listen to. <laughs> I've got no new music to listen to. And I remember, I remember going. I live my life like this, yeah. We sure as yeah. a warrior, yeah. I mean. This is hard work. I'm edgy while I'm driving. You know, this guy's p- pulling in front of me. I'm risking. <laughs> we're on uh, 75 going through Detroit, and it's a mess. I'm like, yeah. "This was my life every week." I, yep. This was this was a lot harder than I remember. This yeah. is really. This is just one night. I'm doing one night. I used to do Saturdays with three shows. Right. You know, and radio all that week, and then driving everywhere. It's. A, it's and some a, people
1: don't believe us when we say that the morning show is a hard job. It's uh, hard. It's, it's taxing. Dra- draining. And it is draining. But we get to go home to our own beds.
0: Yeah. And uh, you don't even get that luxury when you're on the road. No. And, you know, my son was telling me, oh, daddy, I missed, I haven't been in a hotel in a year. I missed it so much. I, I, Jimmy, I don't miss any, and I realize, oh, I can't ruin this room. Yeah, exactly. that, and I, I don't miss it They can have a pool.
1: Right. <laughs> and the other thing is we're not, uh, you and I aren't built for
0: uh, construction work. We're not built nope. for um, cubicle work. I don't think you, Chick, or I, we were talking about this in the green room one time. Boy, if things w- went, went south for us, what were, we don't ha- have any other skill sets. I don't. Right, right. I mean, what would what would our resumes look like if we were to go, <laughs> we were to, go to a Lowe's? <laughs> I don't even know what a nail looks like.
1: <laughs> I've gotten okay with stuff like that, because Not uh, me. being a new homeowner. It, we're, we're, when you get a house, you just kind of do, you get better. When I get like a that.
0: house, you're funny.
1: Well, we'll get we'll to all this in a second, but... <laughs> But you you brought us to this point uh, perfectly, the job we have now. So uh, you were on the road and you uh, had a couple marriages and, and, yeah. and then divorces. And uh, the reason that I so uncouthly asked about the money you were making when you were on the road oh, yeah. and doing pretty well was because we now tease you on the morning show uh, about being broke and oh, about hawking uh, like, yeah. ho- uh, items at the pawn shop and yeah. stuff like that. And I think there are a lot of people going, the guy's on the radio. He's uh, he's uh, doing shows, uh, stand-up shows. Um, why does he not have any money? Yeah. And it kind of has to do with the money you were making yeah. and the divorce.
0: Yeah, when I got divorced, uh, I was at a six-figure uh, income doing the cruise ships. And... Um my, uh, my, uh, the court thing and child support uh, was on, on a date that well, I was at sea. So I didn't really, not only did I not know of it, um, I couldn't be there to even uh, sit there and, and and make it right or get it adjusted. And uh, my ex-wife certainly didn't do anything sneaky. It was what I was making. Yeah. Uh, but I got, uh, I got, uh, I got a pretty high child support uh, rate um, when I was uh, out at sea back in 2014 And it stayed that way even when I stopped doing the cruise ships. Uh, So when I stopped doing that and uh, came into this situation... It all comes out of my check, and then I had medical bills that would come out of my check that were, that were being garnished. So I'm really uh, lucky. I, I pay my rent, and I can pay bills and stuff, but I, honest to God, after I feed my son and I feed him well and I treat him well, he thinks I'm rich because I'm on the radio. Right. There isn't walking around money like I used to always have. I used right. to always be a fancy, fancy Don and have many, many beautiful guitars and pianos, <laughs> and I've held on to a few of them. Yeah. But I'm poor for all the right reasons. Uh, my child support's being paid, yes. and my son is fed, and it is a big struggle. And that struggle will start to go away, uh, right? Maybe around the middle of uh, middle of June. I was paying for two kids, and then uh, one uh, my adopted daughter turned eighteen, so that got cut in half. But then the garni- the med- I had a big medical year with a big deductible, as you all know, uh, and um, so that is garnished of my wages. So I'm yep. I'm after everything's said and done. You know, uh, I got to be very, very careful. So there'll be a couple, there'll be every month or so where I'll I'll, uh, have to, you know, pawn a guitar and it's all true. And I don't mind talking about it because it's funny. The struggle to me. And just having that as part of my life, I've never been good at business, you know. You give an Irishman like me a million dollars, I'm going to have a million dollar problems. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just, you are much, so much different than me. I, I see how you operate and you're, you you seem to have a good business mind. I, for some reason, I, I you know, I, I just, I, I've always just gone by the creativity of it. And I don't even understand the rest of it. I'm, But I'm just lucky that I'm in a warm place. It's a nice place. I have all my furniture back. I got out of storage, and yeah. uh, my artwork is back. And I'm really, really happy. I, I'm getting to see my son Jimmy now more than ever. And in May, his mommy is moving here, and I will see him uh, constantly. So wonderful! We'll be, uh, we'll be, and I'll see Jimmy every day, and uh, you know, we'll have dinners together and stuff with his mom. And even though she's seeing somebody else, we have made it all about Jimmy in the last two years. His mother couldn't, we couldn't have fought worse in the beginning or uh, could get along better now. the disparity is, is just amazing. We've just turned it around uh, completely. the whole dynamic between her and I. yeah I, I, my, I, I basically was getting into fights with her boyfriend on the lawn at one time because I was just so ragingly mad yeah. and still probably in love and still in love and very, very hurt. and mm-hmm. I never wanted to see Jimmy become uh, uh, come from a broken home because I did. And I you know I remember Jimmy asked me one time and this broke my heart. He said, uh, "What was it like when you were with Mommy?" And I said, "Well, we had a lot of fun. We go to movies, we go to dinner, and we take Avery and you to the park." And you know, and, <laughs> and Avery your stepdaughter. Yeah, Avery my stepdaughter or uh, adopted daughter. Adopted rather. daughter yeah, to yeah. the park. And uh, but we had a really good time. He got really quiet. It's a shame I couldn't have been a part of that happiness life.
1: Oh, he said the happiness life. The happiness he, he must have been life. five or
0: six when he asked me. Yeah, and I went, "Oh, Jimmy, I f- I didn't mean because I was really sugar. I wasn't talking about the the bad parts of our right, relationship. Right. I was telling him about the good parts, of it, yeah. which, which is what he should hear. Yeah, and oh, I I wish I could have the happiness life, the happiness life. Well, <laughs> oh, you're breaking my heart. You're going to have the happiest life possible. <laughs> yeah, you know, and yeah. uh and I make sure that uh, he does. We have so so much fun, and he's just a brilliant little artist and. Uh, you know, I, I cater to him and spoil him, and uh, I don't mind doing it. And he adores his mom, and we have a we have a really good thing going right now. Good. I'm so so lucky because I'm telling you, it was terrible. The, you know, to the point of not being able to see him. And, yeah. You know, just a just a rough, rough time. Yeah. Uh, we, I couldn't thank her more for uh, what I don't know what happened. Because it's the same old me. I'm still, you know, I can be too smart alecky. I can be mean, you know, with a, you know, and when you have your heart broken, it's just tough to see that person again. Any relationship I've had, I haven't had to encounter them. Right. Well, now I have a son with this person, and it was, ter- it was so hard on me to see her with other people. I oh, yeah. what am I? I can't do this. I don't have that in my makeup. So it was really me that was kind of like, you know, holding it back with my attitude. I just, it was so rough. And then something clicked inside where I just grew up immediately and went, wait, you can't, this is life. Yeah. And it has to be about Jimmy. You've got to stop. The minute I stopped doing that, she stopped doing it and we became great co-parents. Yeah. So
1: you, uh, you've changed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was rough. Yeah. I I, I just adore Jimmy so much. And uh, I just never wanted wanted him to, geez, I, uh, he's three years old and I've already blown it. <laughs> That's what it felt like. <laughs> I was like, I couldn't, my dad got me to 16 before he blew it. <laughs> and he was a mess. <laughs> uh, we
1: will joke with you about Jimmy being a wild joke. No, oh, he's crazy. He's a crazy. Yeah, very talented, yeah. very wild. But um, what what is it that we, you know... For those of uh, people who are aware of his wild child sort of uh, yeah. um, per- persona, uh, what should we know about Jimmy? That's that's the opposite, or you know, not that.
0: Well, he um, he is very very stubborn, uh, like his dad, and uh, he is obsessed with uh, what he wants to do. Also, like his dad, and he's extremely creative. And uh Why is that? He does well. Thank you. He doesn't suffer fools gladly. He he's shy in a way where you'll he'll get quiet and maybe seem see standoffish. Or if you have my attention, like if I'm at your house and we're having dinner, and we're having a good talk about yeah. whatever. Jim, that you, you will see. Well, Jimmy will get in the middle of that. Oh and, yeah, and because he's he's that's my my dad and I have that relationship. He doesn't know how to navigate that yet, so he'll act out in funny ways. And he and I have a. We're very uh, friend-like too, as a po- and, and f- as, as well as a father and son. Yeah, we're also like buddies. So he will kato me, and uh, he will uh, jump on me from uh, from a couch after <laughs> I've had back surgery. Will <laughs> he'll, uh, he'll trip me, he'll punch me. Uh, we just fell out of the bed laughing, wrestling the other night when I bashed my face. <laughs> yeah. He's just um, really a funny, uh, f- funny, funny kid. He uh, he does. <laughs> He he's just a little forty year old man trapped in a a ten year old body with an incredibly high IQ that he doesn't he can't control. He doesn't have an ego about his IQ. He just knows that he's he's different in a way that he's just so much smarter uh, uh, than people his age. And uh, I try to hold him back from. He can really he he has quite the sailor uh, sailor mouth on him. And uh, (laughs) I hear him talk to his friends, and I have to constantly go in and go. And you know Jimmy, Jimmy, and, he's, and Jimmy has seen my act. I mean, he travels with me. It's not like I'm a prude or anything, right? And I just want him to know what things he can say and what yeah. thing, you know, because and who we can say those yeah, things to? And but yeah. he's like, he knows way too much for a ten year old, and I have often have to tell him, "You have got to slam on the brakes." Because he will shock me on purpose. Yeah, I was telling I was telling you, and I, I don't think there's any dirty words in this, but I was telling you of something he did to me when we were traveling to Alpena, Michigan. We have eight hours up, eight hours back, and we have we both have to pee. And we go into a, a, a gas station bathroom, and he's always he can't believe how messy these Dad, do you have to deal with this all the time? These places are horrible. <laughs> and there's two urinals, he's at the tiny one, I'm at the I'm at the larger one. Yeah. And as a joke, he goes, he looks, he looks over, he goes, Hey Dad, nice hog. <laughs> <laughs> and I laugh. I go, jeez, Jimmy, mm-hmm. I hope nobody's in here and hears that. And all of a sudden we hear go go. <laughs> In the stall? In the stall. And, and Jimmy and I bust out laughing. We zip ourselves up and we run. He's a nice hog. <laughs> and hey, dad. Yeah. <laughs> hey, dad. I don't know. I honestly can't. Jimmy is just the sweetest, sweetest kid. But yet he is just ornery. And boy, he has, a, he has a temper on him. And he has his head in the clouds. I have to watch him all the time. Uh, even uh, I watch him like a hockey. It's out of the car to go to the restroom. To the, if he's been doing something on his iPad, I know he's still there mentally. And I go, Jimmy, left, right. You're still thinking about that artwork because you have to shake him out of like this is creative world that yeah. he's in. And he's really he's really quite extraordinary. But so, he he has the energy. He's just amazing. Does uh, his mother see you in him? Yes, yes, she does. Jimmy looks like his mom but acts like me so it's an interesting combination. He has his mom's eyes and the hair coloring and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh but darn it if he if he isn't uh, he's an autodidactic. You cannot I you couldn't teach me how to play piano. I had to learn myself. You couldn't show me how to play guitar. I just I don't I want to learn how to, how to do it myself. I want to learn how to write myself. Uh you know, I want I've never been able to be shown anything. Um, and I found myself trying to help Jimmy with just some simple YouTube editing stuff. He wants no part of it. He's got to do everything himself. Okay. And it's pretty amazing. I said, you know, Jimmy, I, I'm, I've, I, I, know some stuff, you know, I've been out there a long time. I can help you with the composition of this. He wants no part of it. He uh, wants to do his own animation, his own voices. He killed me the other day in the car. He did an improv. I didn't realize what good voice he was getting. Uh, he would sing something on stage, but he does just something simple. Yeah. There was a hip-hop song that had a falsetto refrain on it. So all he did was bust my butt for 10 minutes riffing in this falsetto that she was doing. <laughs> Daddy's driving, he thinks he's really funny. And, it, and he got dirty and funny, and, and I laughed for the whole 10 minutes. Yeah. Every t- every part of that had a joke in it, busting my butt. <laughs> yeah. And after after it, I said to him, and I make a point of, of complimenting him and being serious about it. I said, Jimmy, your pitch is incredible, and you are funny, funny, funny. Yeah. I goes, I'm just so proud of you. He goes, oh, thank you, Dad. Yeah. Because these are the things that I didn't get growing up. I just never got, I remember trying to impress my mom singing something from Oliver um, while I was washing dishes. I was trying to uh, sing something from Oliver. and I, You've got to pick a pocket. <laughs> no, no. no, I forget what it was. It was one of the ballads. Da, 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 da. I forget what the words are. And I was just singing it, trying to impress her. And she looks at me and she goes, You can't sing. <laughs> <laughs> and I, to, to this day, I bring it up to her. I go, You know, you crushed me for three years. I didn't even open my mouth. I was eight. Yeah. So those little things. And I don't know if she even meant it like that. Right. She may have been trying to tease me. But I make a point of not being, not lying to him, but honestly giving him uh, that kind of support. Because uh, if he's going to go to the arts, if it's going to be you know art, art, art stuff like that, uh, uh, I overheard him telling the babysitter. The babysitter said, "Boy, Jimmy, you're really, really funny." And I was in the other room. She was leaving, and said, "I just want to tell you, you really made me laugh. That so you're really, really funny. You're, you're gonna, you'll probably be a comedian like your dad." And he snaps back, "No, that's my dad's legacy. I'm an artist. <laughs> that's the way he talks." Well,
1: it's, it's a plain. Uh, How proud of you uh, of him you are! Oh yeah, and I know he's proud of you because one time we were all, you and I and Greg, we were doing a show together, and uh, Jimmy was backstage, (laughs) and you started into a bit, and he came around. uh, He put down his iPad, and he came around (laughs) to the wings where I was standing. Yeah, and uh, he was watching you, and uh, I was watching, but he he turned around to me and he goes, "Listen to this part; it's real funny." And he
0: he had a smile on his face. He loved it. He and loved you, it. And that that particular trip, you saw the other side of it too. Because I think we walked by your hotel room, and you overheard me going, "Jimmy, seriously, put your jacket on. It's five degrees out there." The me. whole
1: thing was so funny to me. Because I, I was in my room laughing, <laughs> but it was also because I had done something earlier that. That caused you some trouble. So we go. We get to the hotel. I have
0: a. I have a, a tremendous fear of heights. Yes, and Jimmy is, does not.
1: This is one of those uh, hotels where it, it, we're on like the tenth floor. It terrifies floor, me. And there's an atrium in the middle. Yes. So there. And so I go. I go up to the balcony and I lean over. Oh, that's all you had to do. And so then Jimmy and that freaks <laughs> you out. Yeah, because you're oh. standing. Oh, back, it freaks me out. You doing it? Right. Yeah. And so Let Jimmy walks over and oh. he. Does, you go, Jimmy. Please don't do that. So then later That's all he did all week. A couple all, hours yeah. later we're going to head I hear you guys leave your room first. Yes. <laughs> we had nice <next>, rooms <laughs> next to each other. And you're going, "Will you just put your jacket on, please?" And get away please. from the railing. And go, oh god, get away from the ra- I look, I can't deal with this, right? Now. <laughs> so I'm laughing at <laughs> Well, you, Jim, I know how you are before a
0: show. I'm You're nuts. Focused oh yeah, yeah, in. I'm nuts. And now he's doing this stupid thing that he, I did. Once he <laughs> once he knows something gets to me, that's he's got me now. Yeah, Jimmy is is he's he's just notorious for this. And it, it, this stems from going to the, uh, the the zoo here in town, and they have a uh, like a monorail thing. They, they have gone. Oh, right, they have the gondola things. And uh, he <laughs> he doesn't have this fear that I have, and I've had it since I was a kid. So thank God, thank God, he doesn't. But I have a tremendous fear of heights. So, <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, he, dad, we got to do the, uh, we did their mini, uh, their mini roller coaster that's nothing. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, and I, that terrified me. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't even do this mini thing. <laughs> and now he wants me to go on the gondola ride. Oh, dude, I couldn't get on. So it. we got on the gondola ride. And the minute it started, I went, oh, no, this is a terrible idea. And and, and he said, Dad, what's wrong? No, I, want, I, don't, I don't want to do this. What's wrong? I have a fear of heights. Once I said that, then he started getting like a monkey and swinging it. While oh, I'm dude. In the, the whole way around. Yeah. The whole way around. I wouldn't have been able to take it. Oh, I couldn't. <laughs> he couldn't. Nothing was funnier to him. He had tears rolling out of his eyes at my pain. He was terrifying me. And he was fearless in this gondola, shaking it. Oh man! <laughs> but he's a wonder. He's a wonderful boy. I uh, I had to go to a doctor's appointment follow-up last week uh, for back uh, my back surgery a year ago, and um, I share the same um, iTunes account with my son on his iPad. I can see what what he writes for notes and and everything. So I'm just looking at these notes. I, this isn't my. Uh, it says Dad's doctor visit. If Dad has to pick up something heavy, help him. That's what the doctor said. Uh, he he shouldn't pick up. He took all these notes on how he could help me, <laughs> and I read it and I was like in tears. Yeah, because he didn't show it to me. This was for him. Yeah, and it said make sure Dad doesn't lay down too long on the couch. Make sure he only lays down at night because this seems to make his back worse in the morning. Uh, help him and do it every day till he feels better. Oh, Pat! And I, I know I looked at this and I went, "This is a beautiful kid." <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, so he's got the devil in him, and he also has a lot of angel. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, and uh, you know, I think that's sort of reflective of you as well. You've certainly had the devil in you, and uh, you've got the angel in you, and and now uh, where you're at a place where you're uh, working Monday through Friday every yeah. morning um unless I have surgery. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh and eventually back on the road. Uh you know, things are getting better out there. So yeah. uh back on the road and you're going to be in a position soon it seems to ch- pick and choose the gigs you want to do.
0: Yeah, that'll be nice. Which is a real luxury for a performer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've been uh, we've bonded here uh, during the pandemic and put on a show without a lot of guests. And uh, I think we've really risen to the occasion. And I also think that we have uh, maybe made a little noise out there to the point where we can pick and choose and really get to see the people that are enjoying the show now, the new show that we're doing, and uh, kind of be amazed by maybe the fan base and how they're reacting to the new show. Because we've really had a good time in here and worked our butts off. Yeah. I mean, we really have.
1: You like the uh, doing the morning show? I love it,
0: yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's the best thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah. Proud um, of what you're doing? Yes, very much so. I mean, Tom and I obviously, uh, you know, have our differences. Geez, we did a song this morning that I told him. Well, you guys had left the room, so Tom did the intercom thing with me. Do that Ace Cosby thing again, Tom. I've done it five times. <laughs> Let me explain radio to you. <laughs> I, I can't make these guys laugh. Uh, you know, the, we we fight over we fight the good fight. Yes. You know, uh, well, you've got a hard job
1: because you you do a song, and Tom's got a point. He's, he's yeah. Tom is right. The way radio works is most people do not listen to the whole show. They're listening sure. every 15 minutes. We almost have a whole new audience. Um, so uh, the data just shows that. But <laughs> you are a believer in the laws of diminishing return. as As is Chick, as am I. Yeah. And um, it's, sometimes we have to remember, okay, many, many people are hearing this for the first time, even though we're hearing it for the 10th. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And in the hallway, Tom and I will uh, talk, and I, I bring this up at least once a month, and I lose this one all the time. Uh, you know that thing you did in the 6 o'clock hour? I said, yeah, I want you to do it again in the 9 o'clock hour. And I go, why don't you play the tape of me doing it from the 6 o'clock hour, <laughs> where I get laughs. Uh, I like the live aspect of it. You know, he always, yeah. he, yep. okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So, I will try to get you guys. I'll look at my lyrics. Okay, I can change that. I'll get John, I can get the person to laugh here. You do it. You do it. it. We, we, it's, it's quite a challenge. It is. Because you guys have seen, boy, Chick's been doing it how long and Christy's been doing it how long time. Yeah. They've seen every fastball thrown at them. Right. You know, and so, so, I mean, the challenge is that, you know, we're all in this together. And, uh, yeah, we're doing a four-hour show together. But, but, man, we've banded together yeah. uh, like brothers and sisters during this, you know. And if I need to do it, if Tom wants me to do a song again, well, you know, well, well, all right, here we go. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are worse things we could be doing. There oh, my are, gosh. I mean, How yeah. lucky are we?
1: Incredibly to, to blessed, with, man. To be
0: with really good people. Who uh, you know? All of us are so wildly different, and you know, as much fun uh, as we have, or and teasing that we do. I mean, there's a lot of love behind it all. You know, there really is. Yeah, yeah. And Tom, you know, I don't know what people think about Tom. They may think he's like stuffy and pretentious, or is his vibe? But he's he's anything but. He's uh, truly a saint. Is he one of your best friends? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There, yeah. you know, uh, T- Tom. Uh, Tom is just absolutely amazing. There's. I don't know if there's anybody out there like him. He really, man. He people think he wants to he wants he wants to help people he really does he really I does i wouldn't i wouldn't i would honestly i don't do not know where i would be if it weren't for him and the situation having a son and being in a divorce with a high child so i would probably be in jail yeah i mean or i i, I don't know what i'd be doing right Right. He re- and he nurtured that, and we have a nice relationship out of it. Like I work my butt off to make that as good as I possibly can. I don't take it lightly. I don't sit at home and take it lightly. I think about it constantly. If he if he texts me and he's got he puts a fire under me, man, then I mean, you know we're off to the races because we're honest with each other. I'll say to him, I'm looking at these stories that we have for tomorrow, and I don't see anything. Yeah, it's not. We'll go back and forth like that. Yeah. Well, maybe you, there's a tenuous tie into this one. You could go back to that song you did. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. And then that's how we carve out maybe a set for the morning or a, yeah. game, a game plan, you know? How to surprise you guys, you know? Yeah. Because that's what we're trying to do. Well, the only problem is is the hard part is surprising Tom.
1: And that's one of the most fun things about this job oh. is, when you, is when you can surprise him. Yeah. And he hates surprises. Hates them. Right. But he, does... <laughs> he obviously loves the surprise of comedy. But yes. He, he, oh, boy. But that's one of the joys is uh, catching him off
0: guard and really taking a chance. Yep. And, oh boy, I've taken I took a chance to that calamari song and failed miserably. But if you don't ch- take chances like that, that because he didn't know any of the words to that at all. Yeah. You know? So I thought, okay, this is going to work. Oh, uh, but then I oh no, the setup, uh, the, 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 the it, and You know, I thought, well, if you don't take that shot, you know, you're not going to make. You're not going to. You're not. You're not going to make it. You have. To. You can't be. Uh, y- yeah. Right. You have to. There, for for as much success as we do have, you. Uh, Boy, you know, like we know how to handle you know bad jokes or bad comebacks or bad. <laughs> we we all handle them with a lot of love. Yeah, you have to kind of embrace embrace it. Yeah, and Chick it couldn't be better with all that stuff because he's just <laughs> the voice of reason. He doesn't give us a break for anything average. <laughs> no, no, he'll let us know. Yeah. And thank gosh! I know uh,
1: it's before, the best. Um, I don't. I, I turned into a nun there. Thank gosh! For, I don't know what, but
0: um, so, I say gosh a lot too. Yeah, and so do
1: I. I think I felt I, I'm talking into this microphone. Growing up like Catholic
0: I, and then not being Catholic, <laughs> I don't say God too much.
1: So uh, we know more about where you came from, and we know where you are now. You're you're on the Bob and Tom show every week, every day, and you're uh, going to be back on the road. You're a songwriter you're a singer you're uh I consider you an actor performer as well you may oh. not be on the stage or on screen but the characters you do uh, on and off the air and you are a talented actor oh thank you and uh you are on the radio and you're a father what do you m- most uh, want to be remembered by uh probably being a good dad
0: yeah yeah. I mean, obviously, I want to leave something behind artistically. I, I don't know uh, why we're here. I don't want to get spiritual because I'm not that spiritual. I'm just a good person. Uh, I'm a good dad. I'm uh, becoming a better friend, a better coworker. I've learned how to work with people better. Uh, not doing the road so much has, made me, has opened me up to this situation where I'm not so all alone. And in, in, in we're a team. And I've never really been a part of a team. So I think that makes me a better person. And I'd love to be remembered for the work that we did here. And uh, I want to write a book and I want to do many, many more records uh, with the situation that I'm involved with. We have that great studio over there. And I'd like to leave that behind, you know, and let, you know, have Jimmy be proud of that too. Yeah. Yeah. Great. But, you know, having, the, having Jimmy have a great memory of me years and years from now when I pass. Pass away at the age of 121. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I told if I if I could live to be 100, I'd see Jimmy at 50, and I'd stop worrying about a maybe. <laughs> you still had to worry about me at 50, so I don't know. He seems to be built from the same cloth, so to speak. <laughs> I knew I knew he was my son when he crawled into bed. He's got his own bed, mind you. But uh, I, 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 I he jumps in the bed and uh, he wakes me up. I go, you okay? Nope. There are floor demons. <laughs> there are floor demons yeah there's something on the floor in my room there's nothing on the floor in your room maybe your clothes are on your floor no there's a floor demon and then i went well jeez i remember being his age and i had an attic that i had a door that the closet that led to an attic and i was 15 and i was sure that there was a ghost in there so i went yeah jump in bed come on i'll 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 protect you from the floor demons <laughs> What would you have done if you walked in his room and there was a demon on the floor? Hey, how you doing? <laughs> hey Jimmy, you're right. I just I, I I'm really sad that he's actually taking on I was I was really I had it bad with ghosts and thinking they were up until I was fifteen or sixteen, I just had a horrible time with the dark I had a horrible time with darkness. I had to have a night light and yeah. I'm sixteen. <laughs> to this day in a hotel I have to have like a light I can't do it all dark. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm nuts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Pat, this has been such a pleasure pleasure getting to know more about you and uh before we leave is there anything uh that you may have forgotten to tell me that you would like because i i have something that i would love for you to do before we leave but i want to ask you is there anything you want to share that you haven't shared yet
0: yeah when i was uh working in philadelphia i got a chance to meet keith richards Uh, the rolling stones would uh, rehearse in Philadelphia, and so a lot of people would uh, hang out with uh, from our radio station. Would hang out with Keith Richards. Uh, I never met Mick Jagger, but I met Keith Richards a couple times, and he's just incredible. I bet. So he, uh, so our station kind of befriended them because they would do their first show in Philly because it was a a, more, a better town uh, critic wise. Instead of going to New York or L.A., uh, they would do their show in Philly because Philly's a very friendly town uh, from a critic standpoint. So, so they get what, rave
1: reviews and then move. Yes, yeah, so you.
0: they were there a lot, and then he did uh, Keith Richards did, did his first uh, solo t- solo tour and only solo tour, I think, in uh, in Philadelphia, and the first show was at the Tower Theater, and we were all invited back, but I think it was like a Wednesday or Thursday, and I had to be on the air next uh, the next day, so I was crazy tired, and all of the Philadelphia uh, Illuminati and uh, the, the famous musicians, the Hooters, and everybody they were they were all there. Cindy Lauper, all the Philadelphia people. Uh, were there backstage hanging out, and everybody from our radio station. And they were all mingling in this one area. People had their guitars ready to be signed. And I just could not be bothered. And uh, I was hanging out with our producer. And I said, man, I'm going to go grab a coffee. And I went down this tiny hallway in the green room of the Tower Theater Mm -hmm. to where the coffee was. And I got myself a, a coffee, a little cream and sugar, hot Coffee sure. and I turn around and I spill the entire coffee on Keith Richards, who is dressed like he's in the Pirates of the Caribbean with the pirate shirt and the, and I went oh oh I'm so sorry Mr. Richards so he goes don't call me Mr. Richards call me Keith and I went I cannot believe, I'm so so sorry you're, you're he goes ah you know look it'll be good for the image it'll look, it'll look like I threw up. <laughs> oh, and know, I'm like, oh, geez, I'm just so sorry. And at that moment... He was so kind, he, f- he knew that I, uh, he, so he put his arm around me. Yeah. Oh, come on, man, this will be fine. <laughs> it's showtime's in five minutes. I <laughs> said, I said, I said. Keith, are you going to change? I'm not going to change. But I do need to warm up because I don't normally do the lead singing. Another fella does that. And I said, yeah, yeah, Mick Jagger, that guy. So I'm going to warm up if you don't mind. And to this day, I do not know if he was joking or if he was serious. Yeah. You don't mind if I warm up? Eh? And I went, no, no, go ahead. And he goes, la 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 la. la." And he he goes, he goes to me, how does that sound? I go, I go, pretty good. (laughs) And at that moment, one of his interns or roadies or whatever came up with a a red pill and a big uh, orange uh, orange drink. And uh, he took the pill. He guzzled. He guzzled the drink. And and he went, ah, yes, another nuclear nightmare. I, I howled. Yeah. And I said, Keith, have a great show. He goes, oh, don't feel bad about yourself. I'll go out there. It'll be great. It'll be great. And the next day in the <laughs> Philadelphia Inquirer, there was a picture of him with this huge coffee stain <laughs> on his shirt. And I, can you imagine uh, spilling a hot coffee on any other rock star? Man. He was just the nicest fellow. And our station Became friends with him. I never met any of the other guys. Yeah, but you know there'd be uh, Keith sightings all over town. And uh, Ted Utz was our general manager at the time, and he and his family would often visit Keith in uh, Jamaica. Mm-hmm. And uh, he set up uh, uh, he set up a situation where we would go down. It was like the following year after I spilled coffee on him, and five of us from our, from our morning show would go day drinking with Keith Richards. So we a year later we accept the uh, invitation. Of course, it's 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 noon. We're there promptly at noon, and his son Marlon is like on an, an old uh, uh, Macintosh at that time. I guess we're going back to maybe ninety three. Okay. and uh, and we we knock on the door, and the poor kid looks startled, and the five of us are all like, yeah, "We're here to we're here to see uh, Keith Richards." You mean my dad? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, come in. You know, he, 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 he did not know we were supposed to be there. Yeah. And we go in and <laughs> it's it's a tiny little ranch in Montego Bay in Jamaica. And it's like a hippie thing. There's beads. There's bottles. <laughs> it's just what you would expect. There's guitars everywhere. And it's just Marlon, his son, and no one else. And he goes, okay, fellas. And we come into the li- living room and we all sit in the couch and just say nothing and wait. And we, he goes into the he goes into Keith's bedroom. Right, Dad, Dad, there's these guys from the radio station here to see you. He goes, Ah, shut up! Bloody hell! I told well, Marlon, I told them to be here at noon. And Marlon goes, Dad, it's twelve <laughs> fifteen. <laughs> oh, all right, hold on, I'll get my, we're, we'll, we'll, and we hear, <laughs> uh,
1: uh, uh,
0: uh, we hear him like, getting ready, and we're, sure. and we're like, oh, this is a bad idea, <laughs> and yes, he, he comes flying out of the bedroom, hello, fellas, are we ready to have some drinks? And we said, yeah, we just couldn't believe how kind he was. Once again, I don't bring up the coffee incident. I don't think he remembers who I am. Right, um, right. He just knows it's a radio station, and he's just a generous, generous fella. Yeah. But then he goes, he goes. But first, before we go, I am going to need a little wake me up. And <laughs> he goes into the he goes into the kitchen area while we're all still sitting there in awe. We are getting a Keith Richards show. <laughs> <Yes>. And <laughs> there's a bottle of Rebel Yell, which is a whiskey. And he cannot get the top off. And he's really a little shaky and uh, maybe a little y. Right. <laughs> he cannot get it off. And he, go, he smashes the top of it. And he pours himself a big, uh, a big drink. He downs it. And he goes, all right, fellas. I think we're ready to go drinking now. I'm feeling a little better. And at that moment, a tour bus came, uh, came, came outside. And he gets instantly angry. He's like, every bloody time. Fellas, <laughs> so it's going gonna, it's gonna to take me uh, 10 minutes. Just let me, you know, it's going to take me 10 minutes. Just oh, hold on. <laughs> and so we watch this transpire. Because we're now standing in kind of the breezeway area. And this Jamaican tour bus, like, uh, you know, comes up to go. It's a sightseeing thing. This yeah. is Keith Richards' house. <laughs> so we, we hear everything. Uh, Keith, Keith, Keith goes to the bus, the bus, the bus. The, the doors open, and he says, everyone come out, let's have a picture. He was gracious to all the. them. And he doesn't have to thing. do this. No, he's, he's wonderful. Yeah. Everyone come out and take a picture. Well, let's make it quick, though. I've got some dirty to <laughs> Rock and roll, baby. <laughs> and he takes a picture with everybody. And, and he gets back in the bus, and then he says to the bus driver, you, come here. <laughs> And he brings the bus driver, this Jamaican bus driver, into the breezeway, right? And he goes, all right, what'd you make? And it was like something like 400J. And I don't know what that is in American money. It was 400, 500J. And Keith Richards goes, give me half. (laughs) (laughs) And the guy goes, okay, give him half. And if I I ever see you back here again, I'm going to shoot you. (laughs) And then he gets back in the bus and Keith waves to everybody to say leave. He goes, All right, fellas, let's go. <laughs> He couldn't he couldn't wow. have he couldn't have been nicer I mean and the day drinking part was just rather you know it was just average and fun no great stories happened he's just a wonderful human being he didn't he dressed in a Hawaiian shirt that day I think and he we went, we went into a bar called the eight corner it was, it was a dive Jamaican bar yeah and there everybody says hey Keith and he he bought us all drinks and lunch and that was a and he was adorable tell him oh, like old stories that is great yeah yeah, absolutely fantastic.
1: Man, oh man, you can't beat it. That's so wonderful. And real quick, uh, early uh, on, uh, in these stories, you said that the uh, a lot of the famous Philadelphia m- musicians were there. Yeah, and you referred to them as the Illuminati. I think you meant glitterati because I don't think uh, Cindy Lauper is really going on about these. No, I meant Illuminati, the, the secret
0: bloodline
1: of Christ.
0: <laughs> I, I did
1: mean glitterati.
0: <laughs> Oh, okay. I met Maserati.
1: Well, oh, Maserati, yeah, good, yeah. Well, you, if and Pavarotti
0: Pavera- was actually there. Could...
1: <laughs> it reminded me of a uh, real quick. Uh, one of one of the funniest comedians in St. Louis is a guy who um, really never got out of St. Louis to do comedy. He did some, but his name's Joe Murray, and we were at an open mic one time at the St. Louis Funny Bone, and this uh, open micer, <laughs> and you don't really heckle open micers, sure, you know what sure, I mean? It's sure, just rude, sure. and you, it's, but. Joe could occasionally do it where everybody thought it was sort of charming and funny, and so this open micer gets up there and he goes, uh, "Hey, have you guys ever heard of the Illuminati?" And from the back, you hear Joe go, "Shut up about it!" <laughs> I, uh, the place just lost. I,
0: uh, yeah, I didn't mean to say Illuminati.
1: <laughs> no, I, <laughs> well, before we uh, skedaddle, my favorite story of yours is uh, one of your very first. Uh, show showbiz esque stories. It's you, um, well, and it's your it's it's about your first trip out to L. A. You're following your dream. You're gonna make it. Yeah. and uh, you get on the bus. And uh, if you wouldn't
0: mind just sharing that with me, because I love it so much. Well, I'm famous for hating to carry my guitar around, and there's a reason for it. For it, I don't like uh, getting into an elevator with it, because it's always, hey, you're playing for us tonight? <laughs> I despise carrying the guitar. I don't like anything about it. I don't even like carrying it to the car. So I will often go to a club with two guitars, and I'll leave one of the club so I do not have to walk in with a guitar. Ah. Uh, for some reason, I like to be in my own space. If I'm walking into the club, hey, I just so i don't like <laughs> there's but this is the real reason why i don't like uh, carrying a guitar in, in a case anywhere, you know. I don't like getting, going to the airport. I'll always just have it go under the plane. I don't like carrying it on the plane. Are you gonna sing a song for us? I hate everything about it. Right, right. But this is the this is the reason why I'm in South Bend. I'm living living at my mom's, and she's just had it with me. I was working at the foundry uh, uh, there, and I was ready for my first trip. And I, I had just started playing guitar, and I wasn't that good at all. I wanted to be good. I was really going out to to L.A. to try my hand at being an actress. This is my first time and I'm taking a Greyhound bus mm-hmm. uh, from South Bend to LA. That's a three-day drive yeah and it's uh, it's my first time doing it. It wouldn't be my last but uh, in those days people smoked on the bus and it was a whole different situation and uh, I'm a little bit late getting to the uh, Greyhound bus station. Uh, my mom mommy had uh, driven me and I'm not normally late for anything but for some reason we're late. And I get there, and oh, the, the bus is already packed. I'm the last one on, and I got my ticket and everything. And uh, <laughs> I, I sheepishly get onto the bus. I'm trying to look for a seat in the back, it's all smoky. And I got my little guitar case. And I just, a lady in the back goes, Oh, look, it's John Denver. <laughs> the bus explodes in laughter. She just got a huge, it, her timing was impeccable. Because she did the smut. hey, look, it's John Denver. And from that moment, and I was just, and I had no comeback, I was like, oh. I was just murder.
1: It's the, you're, you're doing it. You're finally going to follow all of your dreams. You're going out to Hollywood and then immediately kicked in the shins. Get mocked. <laughs> La three me zero oh, like boy. I always say. I just I, I love that that so much. And Pat, I love you so much. I man. love you, Thank too, you buddy. so much for spending uh, this time with me, and I can't wait to uh, continue working with you and yeah. and uh, you know, quick uh, becoming even better. Friends. We are fighting
0: sure. the good fight, and the show uh, is really on fire right now. And I'm enjoying the hell out of it. It's uh, it's a. We both said this before. It's a dream job.
1: Yeah, it sure is. It sure is. And uh, one of the reasons it is is because we get to work uh, together.
0: Yeah, and so. we work hard, and we listen, and we uh, respect each other. We tease each other. Sometimes <laughs> we cross the line, and it still works because we're all we're all pretty good buds. Well, you often you're you're famous for
1: saying you never count. Are you never cut funny? No,
0: you never so, cut funny. So there are times where I go, hey, I hope I didn't cross the line. You go, you don't cut you don't cut funny. <laughs> yeah, Willie, we'll come on I wasn't too hard on you, was I? Nope. You never cut funny. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, there's no shortage of funny when you are around, my oh, friend. Thank you so much. And uh we'll 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 do this again sometime. This was a lot of fun. So yeah, get uh, get some better stories and we'll try again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see ya.